You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Well, it's absolutely, it's another gorgeous day. We're starting to get hot though, high today 90. Anything above 85 is not good in Matt's world, but that's not important either. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Sepp Shire, appreciate everybody dialing us in today. Got a good show lined up for you. Uh, kind of one of our favorites, we've adopted him as a co-host from the Birmingham Stallions, is Jay Sternberger. They're tight end. He's really more of a slot guy because he could be a wide out. He can play tight end. And he's a really good, funny guy. So he's going to be on with us at 12.15, and we're awaiting a text from the one and only Tim Brando. All that being said, Lars, what up? Hey, it's great to be back in the state of Alabama. Been traveling around the country uh, doing uh, research for my next book proposal. And uh, I honestly, I feel like this is potentially going to be the biggest book I've written. And uh, my agent is really excited. Um, and uh, Matt, Matt, you and I, uh, I can't. Man. Come I, on I, I've now. been burned before. I have been burned Somebody before. Somebody stolen your book idea? Yes. Seriously? Yes. Sally Jenkins, I'm calling her out. Sally Jenkins of the Washington Post stole my book idea, and she very nearly cost me a ginormous amount of money. And it was uh, Carlisle versus Army, a book about a, a fo- football a game. Uh, yeah. It's actually probably my favorite book uh, I've it's read. It's a hell of a piece. I'll just tell uh, you that. Yeah, it's been optioned several times for a movie. But it's about a football game that takes place in 1912 that features uh, Pop Warner as the coach of Carlisle, Jim Thorpe as the star running back for Carlisle, and Dwight Eisenhower, who is the star, um, like, uh, linebacker for Army. And at the key moment of the game, Eisenhower and Thorpe come together and Thorpe just runs over Eisenhower. Eisenhower ends up tearing up his knee, never can play again. He had dreams of becoming a professional baseball player. Instead, he uh, starts leading the Corps of Cadets on uh, on the Friday nights before games. And it's the first time that he realizes that he is a facility with words in front of a crowd. And his entire life trajectory changes and instead of pursuing sports, he really dives into the military. Good for the ends U.S. Up being the, being yeah. the supreme allied commander. Uh, is, he's the one that says go on June 6, 1944, even though the weather was bad. So all of American history could be changed if Thorpe hadn't run over Eisenhower. I see. Okay. Well, how in the world do two books on the exact same subject come out at the same time, a, a subject that took place more than a 100 years earlier? 
Well, somebody. No, no. Well, so, I would no, say I, somebody I, I, tapped, I, hacked your no, email. I, I, know, I know for a fact that, yeah. that she was informed. I spent uh, eight, nine, ten months working on my proposal. I think she wrote up two paragraphs and just got a huge contract. And her book is called The Real All-Americans. Um, I'm no big fan of Sally Jenkins. And, 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 and I've seen her at several different sporting events. She will not maintain eye contact with me. She won't look at me. Um, she knows. She knows. Sally Jenkins. Y'all remember it. Write it down. Her, da- well, her dad was the Dan Jenkins, famous SI the writer. golf guy? Yeah. And I mean, and Sally, you wow. know, she's, she's been a columnist for the Washington Post for a long time and, um, you know, she is very famous in the world of sports journalism because of her dad more than her. Anyway. No, she she was really she was at SI for a while. We never overlapped, but uh, no, she's an amazing writer. Uh, um, just, just doesn't laugh. have a lot of ethics. All right, uh, SEC meetings. Sorry, that was uh, way too wrapping much. up on Justin. Um, I'm not surprised by this at all. They're going to go with eight games, and I'll tell you this real quick. I think it lasts a year. And when Texas and Oklahoma come in the league, they'll go to nine. And you know what else will factor in? ESPN will tell the SEC sometime this coming year, we're all in on nine games, and we're going to televise them all, and you're going to get the revenue. Lars, your thoughts? Well, I think this is a good compromise. Uh, and, uh, cause I think right now ESPN is saying we're not giving you another dime to broadcast that ninth game. And, um, and, and so, uh, there's also issues with, you know, just who the permanent opponents are going to be, right? And, uh, angered Coach Saban. We know that. Um, and instead of, uh, sort of doing this massive overhaul, it's more incrementalism. Again, that's kind of the way everything gets done in the world, but uh, just by by small little steps rather than big leaps. And uh, they're doing away with uh, divisions beginning in 2024. And, um, and uh, the Big Ten has dis- discussed that very same thing. But, you know, the Big Ten, Big 12 – and Pac-12 all play nine conference games. And uh, yes, Matt, uh, the, the conference is definitely going in that direction uh, probably in 2025. This just feels like a stopgap solution. I agree. And, um, and, and uh, so... Uh, you know, the, and the SEC, also the 2024 schedule will differ in one other respect, and that is that SEC teams will not automatically face an automatic rival. And that has annually been the case, but every effort's going to be made by the league offices to quote, honor our traditional rivalries. And they will do and, that, uh, Lars. And the matchups will be announced on June 14, um, which is not that far away. And, um, you know, I really, you know, for, for months and months and months, we all expected that the SEC was going to unveil a nine game model in time for, um, uh, the expanded college football playoffs, which will move to 12 teams in 2024. 
the wider bracket um, certainly uh, assures at least one, very likely two, possibly even three SEC teams can reach the playoff in any given year. Um, you know, again, playing that those nine games, but uh, one playing one fewer league game than the Big Ten. Now, if you really think about it, that only helps the SEC put multiple teams in the playoff hunt. Because in 2023, for example, just two SEC teams play will play 10 Power 5 opponents compared to in the Big Ten, 13 of the 14 teams will play Power 5 opponents. Pro play, excuse me, 10 Power 5 opponents on the schedule. And, and now, uh, I think another condition is that Sankey said you have to have, uh, at least one Power 5 opponent in your non-conference schedule. All right. I think something even more significant. I felt like it was leaning in eight the whole time. Well, when they got to Texas, it certainly appeared that way. But they have addressed the storming. And I don't know if they've got it right. We'll only have to wait and see. But I found some of the changes at first glance. Okay. But here's a couple of things we need to note here. Um, uh, Kind of a, a smaller rule, but you are not allowed in any way, shape, form, or fashion after the game. You know, some teams allow... Uh, like parents and stuff to get on the field, kids, and then sometimes even after the players leave, they're allowed to go out and run around. No more. That will no longer happen, and I don't think it really happened a lot in the SEC. They increased the fines, and if you want to do the math, they doubled them. They went from first offense from 50 to 100K, then you, you can just follow it from there, uh, 250K, and if you've done it three times, half a million dollars. Now, with the SEC and some of these teams' budgets, it doesn't seem like a whole lot. But then again, here is something I just think is absolutely brilliant. The money goes to the other team. (laughs) That is fantastic. Alabama would have gotten a million dollars last year. Who uh, who's going to rush the field when you know the other team came up with that? I mean, that is brilliant. It is brilliant. I did. I just can't tell anybody. It's like your Carlisle story. Yeah, you, did you, uh, yeah. Cats out of the bag. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I love that. Uh, uh, I, I think, if anything, it will give, uh, you know, coaches and administrators, athletic directors, uh, more sort of, uh, authority and their words will have more weight. When they ask their kids, don't storm the field. Otherwise, you're just going to be helping Alabama or you're just going to be helping our rival. Um, and so the, the, the field, and this applies to basketball as well, uh, or court storming is defined by the SEC as, quote, when the visiting team and or game officials are still on the playing surface. And it also makes room for SEC schools to adopt a policy that allows fans on the field or playing service once all members of the opposing team and the officials have left. So once everybody else is gone, once the opposing team and the refs are are safely tucked away in the bowels of the stadium or arena, then the fans are free to do whatever they want. 
That takes away the emotion of it. I mean, that's going to storm the field 15 minutes after they've just blocked it. Yeah, but it's it's almost like the cool down period, right? That that players get before before they yeah before you can get into the locker room. You know, I think that's a great idea. I have never felt it more uncomfortable than walking into a locker room just full of sweat and smell and naked men. It just. I just said it. It made me gross out. Um, new policy also requires each school to create a security contingency to prevent field or court rushing. All safe? right. That's the horses? caveat. That's it? Horses, baby. Horses. <laughs> Speaking of horses, giddy up with the stallions after this break. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. At 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partially sunny this afternoon, just a few isolated showers through the evening hours. The high today, 89, tonight's low 64. Tomorrow and Sunday, hot with a good supply of sunshine both days. Only a small chance of a shower. Highs between 89 and 92. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and I guess we're going to have to put this guy on a payroll, Lars. I know. Uh, he's been on, I think, three to four straight weeks. But tight end for the Birmingham Stallions, Jace Sternberger joins us. Jace, it's the gang here on Big Noon Sports. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Hey, life's pretty good. Uh, and life's pretty good for y'all, too. You won last week. Was that a good... I don't know how much it gets into y'all's head. You tell me. Do you think about payback because they handed you uh, your first lost loss earlier this year? Uh, in, a, in some way, kind of. But it's also we kind of know like where's a good chance we can see them guys again in the semifinals. So it's like you don't want to get too hung up on on what they did in the past because you want to make sure. So you don't want to you know talk. You don't want the roles to be reversed like this time around. So. I said we made sure not to go too crazy on our celebrations and everything because we know we could see them again. So we didn't want to give them any bulletin board material. So um, fast forward, uh, you got the stars this weekend. Uh, just kind of, you know, handicap that game for me. Uh, man, I think uh, today was this week was by far our best week of practice. Just a different energy coming along the guys. I think everybody just knows that it's it's playoff time in our standards, and uh, we're just trying to get ready for those and you know set the standard moving forward of how we want to go about uh, games and not just winning games, but we want to get to where we can put together that perfect game and just dominate all four all four quarters. Chase, I've been uh, looking into your uh, winding road that has been your career. And uh, just starting out, coming out of uh, Kingfisher, Oklahoma, you decide to uh, accept a scholarship to the University of Kansas. And then you may have played on the worst team of the 21st century. (laughs) I hate to say it, not your fault. Uh, you went yep. 0 and 12. Uh, average margin of defeat was 31. How did you just 
how did you grind through that season and how did the coaching staff try to, or were they try to keep morale up and did were they able to achieve that uh well to answer the first part of the question for me to keep going and keep working hard um i wasn't playing on that team yet so Basically, that was they were saying that I wasn't good enough, so that was all the motivation I needed. Was like, never saw well, it. I'm not good enough, if I'm not good enough to play for this team, it's like, geez, Jason, we might we might need to have a career uh, evaluation of what, what we want to do moving forward. So you know, and like I said, I was young. I come from a very Kingfisher. Said you, I mean, the population is not very big at all. So I didn't really know any better or to even think anything of it. I was just playing D1 football, and I was about to make the most of it. But. uh Coaching-wise, keeping the morale up, again, not to bash on him, but um, I don't think he did a good job of that. <laughs> I think that's why we, he got the same results in the three or four years he was there. I can't remember how long Coach Beatty was there. But, uh yeah, I just had to make a business decision. And my parents, it's actually funny, they were – my dad was actually – because my parents never forced me to do anything or pick a school, this and that. But they were just like, Jace, honestly, like, if this is what you want to do and you want to stay at Kansas and just go do what you're doing now, that's great. But we're not going to be able to come in. We're not going to come to every game. Wow. And they were like, wow. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, they didn't say it in a hateful way. It was, you know, I got two little brothers too, and they got stuff on the weekend. So, you know, they, they were prioritizing me. But if they were just going to come to Kansas to watch me sit on the bench and be being told all these promises that wasn't happening. And so I was like, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to stay here, and I'm not ready to give up football. I was like, also, let's do the JUCO route because then I can – because I, I, I really wanted to go to JUCO out of high school. My JUCO coach had to convince me to go to Kansas. That's not a knock on Kansas. I was just so attracted to the idea that you could go to JUCO and all these big-time D1 schools can find you, and if you're good enough, so basically, like, they'll find you. And so it was like that was just going to put all the unopened uh, questions or answers I didn't have to, to rest. And so I was already excited about Juco coming out of high school. Yeah, I, I, so I've, I've read that uh, you go to Juco, and, and and the first thing I saw was like, oh, Juco in Miami. Oh, man, he must have had a lot of fun. Then I looked a little deeper. It's Miami, Oklahoma. Uh, no oh, yeah, they don't even get, it's not even, they don't even get the privilege of Miami. It's Miami. Oh, Miami. Miami. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Miami, and it is like I said because it is the farthest thing from Miami. And so, is the goal then obviously to attract the attention of D one? Like, so everybody on the team is essentially trying to get out of uh, Miami. Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Everybody. Uh, I feel like everybody. I mean, everybody's there for different reasons. Like I said, I got so lucky because when I went to the Duco, when I was there, I was already there on a um, like an older team. What I mean by that is the guys on there had already been there two years, so every one of them was either going to go to the next level or the next chapter of their life. Where you know sometimes you go to a Duco where maybe it might be all transfers coming in, like there's no team chemistry, no nothing, and even all of our coaches at my Duco, they all went to the next level too. So like. When I said we were all, all all on the same page, and uh, it just made that year really special. And then um, you end up uh, going nine and three that year, right in twenty seventeen, and you yep. end up getting an offer from Jimbo Fisher. 
And Jimbo had originally recruited you when he was at Florida State, I believe. Uh, and then, yep. uh, and then he left. Um, and then he re-recruited you at A&M. And what's really cool is that you were Jimbo's first official commitment. Do, do, you, yes, do, you, take, do you take pride in that? Oh, very much so. Because like I said, I was, and you got to remember as a kid growing up, like I said, I'm a huge college football fan. I was on ESPN every day as a kid watching the sports center. And when I got that call from uh, Damian Craig at, at Florida State, at Florida State, and he was just talking to me about, you know, basically like I don't know where Jimbo's going to end up in the next, like in the next couple of weeks, but regardless, we want you. And Jimbo want like Jimbo hearing Jimbo Fisher say like he personally like wants me to be a part of this journey with him. Like that's why I never posted my offer or even said that I was in communication with these guys because basically like Jimbo was like, don't talk about it, don't post it, and like you take care of me, I'm gonna take care of you, not financially or anything. Like that this wasn't during NIL or anything. I just knew, like, I knew I was going to have that loyalty from him. And like I said, so, yeah, as soon as he got hired at A&M, I literally went on my official visit, like, two days later and committed that Sunday. And so I was all in on laying the foundation. And so, like I said, we, A&M didn't even use a tight end before me. And so uh, a traditional style tight end, how Coach Fisher used them. And so I just saw a, a window of opportunity to, you know, really make a statement. And you uh, you end up uh, becoming a, a consensus All American. I mean, you, you go from Kansas, where you can't get on the field of the worst team in the twenty first century of college football, to a consensus All American. Is it just? Did you just keep grinding, developing your body, uh, developing uh, your understanding of the game? I mean, it is just such a massive transformation. I'm telling you, you. <laughs> if I could, I wish I could play back the the phone call I had when I talked to Coach Fisher and them at first, because the first calls that they had me, I swear you thought I was getting interrogated by the FBI because they were so confused why I was doing so well at JUCO, but I never played at Kansas. Like, they asked me if I robbed a 7-Eleven. <laughs> they asked me if I'd done this. They were like, what What dirt does somebody have on you that you haven't been able to play? And that's why, I mean, I always joke, it wasn't like I just magically got better overnight and, like, I just started, I started eating something different. Like, no, like, you can ask any of those coaches at KU. I was... I was doing what I was, I've been doing what I've been doing my whole life. Like none of this just kind of happened. And so, uh, you know, humbly saying it was just, it really is all about the, that's why I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill of it's all about the fit. And I'm like, like I said, I, I genuinely think I'm going through the exact same thing right now. And that's why I've been able to keep such a calm, cool, collected, you know, mindset when there's been other times where people might have, uh, the situation I've been put in might have, you know, folded other people, but it's just like, um, you know, Green Bay wasn't the best fit for me personally, and uh, the USFL is my very is and my story is kind of like my JUCO coming out of college. And I just think it, I really believe it's all about the right fit and being somewhere where the coaches want to use you and where you're wanted. It makes a huge difference. Jace, um, I probably don't need to give you a lesson in college football history because you're f- acutely aware of the rivalry between Alabama and Auburn. 
Um, yes, sir. And you're probably very well that, that Nick Saban and Jimbo don't exactly see eye to eye on everything. But when you put all this together, you need to be careful tiptoeing around Birmingham because not only did you sign with Texas A&M, the guy that called and recruited you was a former Auburn quarterback who beat Alabama. Yes, uh, yes sir. Coach Craig. <laughs> That's what I said. It's like, that's why uh, I try to give Alabama as many compliments as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a smart guy. Uh, what do you think about that rivalry? Did you watch it as a kid? The Iron Bowl? Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, like I said, every every Saturday, Jim Nance or whoever, I'm sorry, whoever the CBS analysis, that 2.30 game, whatever it was, like I said, I've, I remember vividly watching all those games from – like I said, I keep, all I can think about is the Cam Newton, the kick six game, but I know there's other memories. You just made us. 500 people wreck in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I know, I know there's, I know Alabama's more dominant. So like I said, it's, that's just something that sticks out. But, uh, yeah, I've always, I've always watched SEC football. And like I said, I'm, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Nick Saban. I'm not going to act like that's not, that wouldn't have been my dream spot to go to just saying that I played for Nick Saban. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm a huge, Huge SEC football fan. Well, we're keeping past your time, but I'm going to ask you one more question here. Do you have time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What's the process now? Uh, you're the leading receiver on the Stallions. You lead the league in touchdown catches. By the way, the one you made against the Breakers, I've watched about six times now. It's just absolutely <laughs> incredible. Uh, not a bad Thank pass you. either. Uh, he he right. just threw it in the only spot you could get it, which is what you're supposed to do. But do people contact you or can they contact players that are in the USFL and inquire about coming into a camp? Um, how, how does it work uh, to, to move up a level? Uh, well, le- legally, I know like I'm, I'm under contract with USFL. So it's like realistically, like teams can, they could reach out to me and tell me everything, but it's like, they're not going to do anything because there they can't actually be any action take. So it's all words and stuff. And in this business, you know, words don't really mean a lot. But, uh, you know, as soon as the season's over, I'll become a free agent again. Like, I'll, I'll be released from the USFL for my contract, and I'll be able to, you know, sign with whoever uh, is interested in me. So, like, I said, I'll be looking forward to that and seeing where I can find the best home, try to, you know, try to go make a name in training camp. I do have one more question for you. Just going back to Kansas. I'm from Nebraska, so I've followed followed Kansas football way more than I should have over the years. But when you were Kansas, did you get a chance to go see uh, the basketball team playing Allen Fieldhouse? And I believe that year that you were there, the 2015-2016, Kansas made it to the Final Four. Yes, I was. There. I went to a couple of games, not as many as you think, just because it actually was actually hard to get into. Uh, I I was there when we lost to Villanova. Yeah. In the Elite Eight that I we gave them their best okay. game. Yeah. And then they beat OU. And then I was there the year that we lost to Oregon, where Oregon hit like seventy threes with Dylan Brooks. And and oh, yeah. what's it like at Allen Fieldhouse? I've never been. It's everything you can think of. It, it's like I said, it's electric. It's it's just yeah, it's it's a great atmosphere. It's definitely a but if you're a sports fan, you should definitely do it. I'll put it on your bucket list. Jace, it's been a real pleasure. Play well, yes, play sir. hard. Yeah, uh, good thank luck. you guys. See you Saturday. Thank you.
Uh, Jay Sternberger, uh, one of the leading receivers in all of the USFL. When we get back, it's half an hour into the show. We haven't talked about softball or baseball, which goes on today. You going? Maybe we should just, maybe we should just head over there. Head over to, head over to the Joe. Uh, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millard. Yori, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part, it's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Let's try to take a call or two here, Lars. Um, I don't think we invite that enough, and that's on Matt. But you can call us uh, at the regular tide line, which is 205-342-9904. Uh, we're going to have some time here in the next uh, hour or so to take a lot of phone calls. Uh, talk about baseball. 
Talking about softball, all coming up today. Huge day in Tuscaloosa for for the Diamond. So uh, that's something we can talk about. Also, what's going on in the SEC. But Alabama's baseball team does play at six o'clock tonight on ESPN Plus, which I've done games for, but can't find it. Um, I actually do know. You got to get on a computer and stream it and download it and all that kind of stuff. But um, I want to talk about that for a minute. <clears throat> Because uh, they host a regional three weeks ago when you thought they'd been in, much less host a regional. Maybe let, let me make that more like a month. No, I thought they would most likely fall apart after the uh, gambling scandal, but it didn't. You know, no players were involved, no other coaches were involved. It, it appears that it was an isolated incident involving the head coach. And, um, you know, it was Greg Byrne who, uh, and, and Greg deserves credit for this. He's the one who, uh, tabbed, uh, Jason Jackson, the, uh, pitching coach to be, um, the, uh, interim head coach. And, uh, he just has done, uh, a great job. I mean, and, and Greg met with reporters the other day down in uh, Florida at the SEC meetings, and he said he gave uh, Coach Jackson a 20-minute heads up that he was going to be the interim head coach <laughs> and that uh, he would have to address the team after uh, uh, Bohannon was fired. And Burns said, hey, man, he, he aced the challenge. And uh, um, and then Greg was asked whether or not he was considering giving him uh, the uh, giving him the permanent coaching head coaching job um, he just basically said that he's been pleased with what he's done very pleased the kids uh, that the, the job that the kids have done they've stayed focused uh, and to me it sounds like the next the next head coach at Alabama is going to be the guy who is the interim head coach, uh, Jason Jackson. And, Matt, I, he deserves it. I think so. I mean, not just for what he's done on the field, I mean, which is his main focus, but to direct the focus away from the gambling and back onto the field, uh, that in itself should get you the job. <laughs> but uh, they play nickels and Seth, help me, help me out. Did they? When did they drop the state? Wasn't it always Nichols State, or am I getting them confused? Help me out here. Uh, it was yeah. it was Nichols State. I don't know. I think they are still Nichols State. They probably just shorten it for the sake of this article. <laughs> well, I've heard it mentioned that way a couple of times, so I was just curious. And by the way, that that is not the most pressing matter. I was just curious, and Matt went out of bounds there for a minute. But they're pretty good teams, Nichols. I mean, they're there. They're the four seed. Alabama's the one seed. And in about an hour and a half, Boston College will be taking on Troy. And as I said earlier in the week, I think it's one of the cool things. And I know they do it for uh, the geography of it, so to speak. Um, but bringing local teams in like they're doing Troy, Sanford's at Auburn, right? Um, I really like the fact that they do that. Although... Man, it has not worked out in Lexington. Are you familiar with this, Lars? I'm not. The team's coming in. There is a huge country musical festival in Lexington. There are no rooms. The other teams coming into Lexington to play are staying in Kentucky dormitories. Okay. 
That's livable. Coaches, players, they're going to be okay with that. Yeah. Fans coming in. Do I? They can sleep in their car. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know yeah. how you plan around that. Yeah. Um, City planners go, oops, Kentucky might host a regional here. You can't see that far into the future. Right. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things they're going to have to deal with. But um, and, in uh, that situation, you really feel for the fans. Speaking of dealing with uh, Alabama softball, oof, not the greatest day yesterday. No, nah, Tennessee beat them 10-5. 10-5. And uh, the good thing is, so now Alabama, they're the five seed. Uh, they're in the loser's bracket. One more loss, and, and they go home. But this is familiar territory. Um, they were down to their last couple of outs versus uh, Middle Tennessee State in the Tuscaloosa Regional uh, before Ali Shipman uh, hit a solo home run in the top of the seventh that broke a 0-0 tie. And um, and then they went down a game five days later uh, to Northwestern. Uh, they beat them three to one at here at Rhodes Stadium. And then with the season on the line, Alabama needed two wins uh, in in a row to advance to uh, to the women's college uh, World Series, and they did it. Um, uh, in the ending with, uh, Montana Fouts, her, her return to the circle, uh, in those two games, they won two to one and then three to two. So it wasn't like they blew Northwestern out. So they're, they're familiar with being in tight games when everything is on the line. And so now for the third time this postseason, Alabama's back is really up against the wall. It's a, it's a winner go home. Uh, matchup and uh, uh, Montana Fouts obviously uh, is going to be the starter here and uh, put the ball in her hands Anyone and let, let her go to the mound and uh, just uh, see what happens. Yeah, and we know how tough she is. So um, go out there and get a victory and move on once again. Um, but you know what? When, when I think back on it, not just this year, it's really been in the Bama softball era that, uh, sometimes this team seems to play better with backs against the wall. Yeah. You know, there are some teams that just kind of go, okay, here we go again. And, you know, they're about 50 50 and coming back. Alabama seems to be on the other end. And also, Alabama is playing a team that uh, I'm sure has been in the back of their minds all season long, and that is Stanford. Why Stanford? Because it was Stanford that eliminated Alabama a year ago, uh, and they took two out of three from the Tide in Tuscaloosa, preventing Alabama from reaching their 17th straight NCAA Super Regional so uh, this is a team I think that Alabama will relish playing. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, Stanford, not the greatest hitting team in the world. Uh, they're ranked 99th in the country in scoring, average of 4.6 a game. Uh, but it's their pitching. They're fourth in ERA with a, a team collective ERA of 1.55. They've had three pitchers make at least 20 appearances. And um, so first pitch will be at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN on Friday.
Is that right, Friday? Yeah, they're yeah. both playing today. Today, yeah. Wow. Gosh. Good day you know, to when, you, when, you, when you go on the road, like I've been traveling, you just lose track. Well, you know, yes, yesterday I noticed then it was not worth calling your attention to you. A couple of times you referred to it as Friday. So much so that I thought it was Friday. <laughs> and so I got all my schedules behind. And, um, now, and you and I have the privilege and sometimes uh, not so much of traveling a lot. And when when you hit it, Two and three weeks in a row. Yeah, I'll go to the wrong hotel room. You ever done that? Try to put Matt, the key in somebody's. No idea the horror stories I have of going into go the wrong us? hotel room. Oh, it's a, in, it's a real problem. At like three in the morning in New Orleans. Oh, we're you not going to go seen there. Things that you just can't unsee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the, the door wasn't fully locked, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, I'm. I once didn't leave mine shut. I, we're not going there. Yeah, and and you know what? It was in New Orleans, and bad stuff. I bet, I bet we could do like two weeks of shows just trading travel stories from over the years. No, because they wouldn't be arable. <laughs> so we could only do one week. Uh, it's crazy. Whenever you travel, something unique happens every single time. Oh. Uh, Golly, that's true. Um, but we can't recall them. Some of them I can't recall because I can't remember. Some, Some of them I can't because it's not, not arrow. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, good news, I think, for Tony Mitchell in Alabama. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Matt and Lark. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Ask Sir. Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov slash fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ADA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. At 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Partially sunny this afternoon. Just a few isolated showers through the evening hours. The high today, 89. Tonight's low, 64. Tomorrow and Sunday, hot with a good supply of sunshine both days. Only a small chance of a shower. Highs between 89 and 92. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big Moon Sports, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. Steps behind the board. Wave to the fans there, Seth. Oh, <laughs> 73 days suspension. Uh, Tony Mitchell has served that. Um, he pleaded no contest. Uh, he's received three years of probation. Uh, hopefully in, in his and his family's and Alabama football's lives, that is sincerely in the rearview mirror. He has been reinstated, correct? Uh, according to his father, he's been fully reinstated. And again, just to review, um, uh, he originally was charged. Again, he's a young, young Alabama player. Uh, he will be a freshman, correct? Yes, freshman. Uh, he, right, he's a Thompson kid. Yeah, 
in March, he originally was charged with possession of marijuana with the intent to sell and or deliver after he allegedly attempted to evade police while driving 140 miles per hour. Another person in the car was accused of having a weapon. Uh, Mitchell, uh, in a plea deal, was sentenced to three years probation and 100 hours of community service after after he uh, pled guilty or pled no contest, no low contender. Contender, contendere, jeez, no low contendere. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's the extent of my legal knowledge. Uh, to felony possession of marijuana, and um, you know, Nick Saban uh, has commented uh, a little bit. Um, uh, he did comment following the arrest, and he just said, "Quote: Everybody's got an opportunity to make choices and decisions. There's no such thing as the wrong place at the wrong time." Everybody remember that phrase? Yeah, sure do. Uh, it is what it is. Another phrase now that, that we talked about. Been going on yeah, since it's, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, remember we, we we traced the genesis of that phrase back to Nebraska. Everything goes back to Nebraska. It is what it is, but there is cause and effect when you make choices and decisions that put you in bad situations. And, you know, at the time we thought that was a direct shot at, at Nate Oates and his defense of Brandon Miller. And it was not. It wasn't. It just turns out it's a phrase that is common in Nick Saban's vernacular. And um, so now Nick Saban is giving him a second chance uh, and uh, he has officially been reinstated, again, according to his father. And um, I'm a huge believer in second chances, huge believer. But uh, he needs to be on his best behavior now. Well, absolutely. He's on notice, and he will be until he takes his final snap. And I think one of the things we've all been focusing on his bad judgment, which it that's bad judgment. Now, yeah, I guess he can say he didn't know it was in there. I don't know. I think that I think that the true it's, criminal is that, in this is that, was is that the other your, guy. Is that your uh, is that your go to legal defense? Ignorance. <laughs> Well, it wasn't me. It's kind of, with the law, yeah. But I mean, you, you know, all right, let's break this down. We don't have a couple of minutes. But I can recall several instances in my life I didn't get in a car or I got out of cars. Yeah. Because of what I knew was going to happen, what they were doing, what was in the car. Uh, and, and trust me, maybe nobody better alive right now knows I'm no angel. You know, I'm no choir boy. Uh, but I am smart enough to get away from that. And I think, I think Tony, with his youth and perhaps a little ignorance and naivety, he got in a car he shouldn't have been. Um, and the, the, the one thing is 141 miles an hour just scares me. But he was have the you gotten driver? out of a car or he not was, getting out of a car? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You just gotta make good judgment. I mean, I've gotten out of a Cars somewhat recently when I, it's clear that the, the driver is uh, in no condition to be driving and you're begging and pleading, get out of the car, get out of the car. You can't drive. Try to take the keys and, uh, you know, yeah. I think you walked home here recently. <laughs> From Tuscaloosa? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. But, I mean, it's it's about judgment. That's why Saban's spot on here. But we do need to remember how flipping good this guy is. Yeah, he, he I mean, has a chance a, to be a special player, I think. And he en enrolled early. Yep. Um, 
and was going to try and, I mean, all the projections I've heard and all the coaches talking about him in high school say he could likely come in and play. Yeah, he's that good. One of those guys. Um, and it will probably be uh, a situation where the discipline is handled internally. You know, it could be running. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. It could be a one-game suspension. Who knows? I mean, yeah, you're I, right. There's, there's going to be some, for, more. some for some form of discipline, uh, but uh, unless it's a game suspension, most likely uh, we'll never know what that is. No, but um, what they do, you know, inside the stadium or behind the walls uh, is usually kept there. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it may be community work, Nick say, may say, or that may – actually, I think that's in his uh, – 200 hours. Yeah, 200 hours. So he'll be doing that. But uh, I just remember back in the day when coaches would actually talk about it and players would. Um, it's a little something called stadium steps at 5 yeah. o'clock in the morning. That uh, it's going to wake it's, you up. Yeah, it's literally. Probably, it will probably have something to do with uh, physical exercise before the sun comes up. That's uh, you know what? I don't think that's changed. Oh. And you know what? I always felt bad is like let's say a group of them got in trouble. You know, went somewhere they weren't supposed to be, and they're going to have to do stadium steps for a week. There was always. An assistant to the assistant to the GA to the assistant that had to get up with them. Yeah, um, you wouldn't want to be that GA, but uh, I know we're hard up against uh, a break um, and still working on Tim Brando. Perhaps we'll get Tim next hour. Perhaps we won't. Let's do that. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. can go from zero to 60 way too fast. <laughs> Who knew electric vehicle owners were having so much fun? 20 or 30 years ago, I owned a, a gas sports car, and this car is much quicker. It's a great, fun car to drive. When you put your foot on the accelerator, it just goes. They're fun, they're fast, they're efficient. Visit driveelectricalabama.com to learn how you can start having fun driving an electric vehicle. Sponsored by the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition, the ABA, and this station. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230. 
888-4376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. 365 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow truck, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. WTUG HC2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on the show. Thanks for tuning us in. Encouraging phone calls about any. It's Friday afternoon. You don't talk about the sharks at Orange Beach. I don't care. That did kind of bother me when I read that this morning. And I'll catch you up on it in just a minute. But hey, let's talk about what the what the topics are right now. SEC media days, not media days, it's coming up uh, at the end of July. But the SEC meetings with the ADs and the coaches uh, has concluded in Destin. And they're going with eight games. And I think that that personally is a fix for this year. And then they're really going to retool everything when ESPN agrees to air the ninth game and the Longhorns and the Sooners come into the Southeastern Conference. Which, by the way, the, that closer that gets, the the ideas uh, of Alabama playing Oklahoma, um, you know, the matchups, Texas-Florida. How about that? I mean, it, it, this conference is so strong, and I, I love it when the teams other than ones in our state are playing great games too. Um, I'm a big fan of the LSU-Arkansas game. Now, those are teams that have been in the conference, particularly LSU, for many years. Um, but I like that rivalry. I think it's the Golden Boot, whatever the name of it is, but it's pretty cool. But that wasn't the only thing. I, I find this uh, found this of great interest, the, the storming the fields and rushing the basketball floor. Uh, they have increased the fines from 50 to 100K uh, for first offense. Second offense is now going to be 200 and a quarter of a million. And the big time offense is going to be half a million. But but I think, and, and you almost have to look for it. It's not the lead in the story I read. But that money that's taken from, in this case, let's see, let's cite Knoxville in Tennessee. And and that dang near got ugly. It did in, in one particular incident that made it on video. But they'll give that money back to the opposing team. So last year, when you take into the fact that uh, Alabama was uh, the victim of the fields being rushed in two different games, Alabama would have picked up a cool million dollars. Yeah, and... Um yeah, it's uh, interesting that before the announcement was made that this was going to be the new policy, 
um, Greg Byrne, Alabama's AD, um, he uh, spoke about it, and um, he um, has been a, a strong advocate uh, to um, to strengthen league penalties. And it was you go you go back. This goes back to 2004, and that's when the fines were um, first implemented. And then they were eight years ago. They were increased to uh, first offense was fifty thousand, second offense one hundred thousand, and then two hundred fifty thousand for each um, each uh, uh, each incident. Each yeah. incident, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but with SEC athletic department revenues, uh, passing, uh, the 200 million mark, uh, <laughs> quarter of a million isn't going to really do too much to deter a school Especially from, when you're not yeah. paying it. And, and, and Byrne said, he's like, fines don't work. So this was before it was all announced. Okay. He said this on Wednesday. Fines don't work. Nobody's sitting in the stands saying, hmm, I'm not going to rush the field today because the university is going to get fined $250,000. Fans don't care. I get it. But there has to be steps that have to be taken until you go through it yourself. And and I, I love that he said this. Until you go through it yourself, and I've been on the field for a few stormings, and it's not fun. It's dangerous. We've had some very scary situations that could have escalated even further. I, and that is true, true, true. We've talked about it, Matt. You know, uh, I have been, uh, you know, screaming from the mountaintops that something has to be done about this because it is my firm belief Sadly, that we are on, we're going down a path where uh, a tragedy is going to occur. Yeah, I, I, and, I and, think and, that's... and 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 uh, it, potentially loss of life, uh, but uh, hopefully not. But I do think uh, something bad could happen. And um, you know, both of Alabama's road losses last season. Um, I mean, they were the, the scenes were crazy on the field, just nuts. Um, and you know, to Tennessee fans famously solicited donations to pay the hundred thousand dollar fine and replace the goalposts after ending its losing streak to Alabama. And we talked about the Jermaine Burton incident where he appeared to strike a female student as he was just trying to get off the field. And then three weeks after that. Um, as LSU fans were celebrating a win over, um, over the tide, uh, uh, Evan Van Nostren, uh, Alabama's assistant director of player development was like really accosted as he was leaving the field and that could have gotten ugly. You get a bunch of drunk fraternity dudes and they find an Alabama guy on the field and they're full of, uh, I don't know, liquid courage, liquid hate, whatever. Uh, it can get, it can get bad fast because there's no authorities anywhere. It is just like complete anarchy. I mean, you've, you've experienced it as well as I have. And it is scary. I once participated in one. <laughs> You're the bad guy. Well, I was, you know, well, no, college, so did I. I so did I. I'm on yeah, I almost died. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> Now, but all right. Here's the bottom line. By the way, there was there's another part of this rule 
that the universities are going to ask, or I guess demand, that security around the perimeter is increased at the end of games. They're also not going to allow people to get onto the field as they did casually in the past. I mean, people can come out there like maybe a parent or a friend or in some cases it might be a child. Um, but that will only be allowed now um, after the players have exchanged, you know, the good game thing, the coach is shaking hands, and then they go to the locker room. Um, yeah, I think you can go out then, but that's 15 minutes later, and and, yeah. and you want to rush the field and pat a Tennessee player on the helmet is not there. And Sankey made this point pre-vote. He's like, what happens when one fan in the middle of the game runs out onto the field? They get pounded by security. They get drilled. Players even drill them. Right. Oh, yeah. Some of the best. Some of the best uh, they, have been players. They get tackled. They get arrested. But what happens when a bunch of fans come onto the field after the fourth quarter? Nothing. Yeah. There's no consequences for the fans. Uh, and I don't know how you give them consequences. I don't know how you make them accountable. Identify them somehow. Take their season tickets. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean it was. They're coming over the walls. It's not like you're going to ask for their ID. Um, hey, excuse me. So, um, now I, I think every fan should be tackled. All, right, all, all of this. Well, God, then then you'd have to have fifty thousand pieces. Of, but if you, boy, if you, you put up some guys like Evan Neal <laughs> around the perimeter, I, I say like every bouncer and. Well, yeah. In some New York City and Miami clubs. <laughs> every, yeah, every bouncer from like New York City, just fly him down to uh, Knoxville for a Saturday afternoon game against Alabama. Do you? And see, see how many dare to try to get past those guys. Do you, based on the rule changes here that we've just discussed, think it's going to work? No. Really? No. So if, um, Mississippi State. By the way, they're the one of the teams that has not been fined. Because yeah. they hadn't had a, a big big win against somebody. And Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, they're the ones that uh, remain kind of like, in that an exclusive listen, little not club. To get, not to get political, but do you think the death penalty deters a person from harming another person? Do, are they thinking, hmm, I really could go to jail for a long time and maybe be facing the electric chair before I pull this trigger? Boy, uh, I don't that's think that's not I, like I, apples I, and oranges. I know. That's like a buffalo and a green I know, bean. but I'm just saying, I don't think that thought runs through <laughs> your head. Uh, what the consequences no, are of I, your actions. You know, it's, it's, it's a perfect example, example of a mob mentality. Hey, come yeah. on, guys, let's go. Yeah. Um, you know, the first guy's over, then there are 20 more. All the people in your group watching the game. Are. Yeah. But you really like, don't. I, something to tell. It's like the, the one thing that I think like is the, brilliant the, here. The, the breach in the levee, right? Yeah. The, the oh, dam breaks. You, there's not enough fingers. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. If, if you knew the old, was it a, is that a fairy tale? The little kid, the Dutch boy puts his finger in the dye. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff. Yes. Yeah. But it's only going to last a while. The one thing that I, I find brilliant and to 
an extent kind of comical is that the money goes to the other team. And I think I think fans in this conference are loyal enough to where, unlike other cases, where they go, I'm going to go where everybody else is, they might actually stop and think, this money's going to Alabama. But I, I, I'm I living in a panacea it, it, over why, here. Why don't you, I, I think to really put some meat behind this, make it like $20 million. Seriously, make make the athletic well, department let make the athletic department feel the pain of that. Here's the other thing, because, it, because it's still just a drop in the ocean here that we're talking oh, about. Five hundred compared to the budgets of these universities, yeah, yes, it's it over two hundred million. But all right, am I am I just thinking way outside of the box, out of the stadium, when a team that travels very well is at another stadium? They rush the field to penalize that team. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Seth, do you understand me? Uh, <laughs> I'm following you. You are? Oh, do you think Colorado... I just don't okay. think you well, can organize We're going to go outside the SEC for a second. Do you think Colorado fans are going to rush the field if they beat Nebraska and they're in prime Deion Sanders' uh, first home game? Yeah, they may very well may. Uh, it, yeah, but of course they are. I know, I know you're a corn husker, but, but is it, would they that wait big, to beat that, a better team? Is, is that big a deal? Yeah, you're beating a team that hasn't even been, it hasn't been 500 in a decade. But, uh, because but they, of they, they, at one time they were our tribals. Uh, and at one time they both were playing for national championships. But the, it was before most of the kids were, the students were born. You know, I know uh, Nebraska's tried a, a couple of different fits. Something tells me that Rule's a guy. They, Do you think? They think he is the guy. Because he's obviously a much better college coach. communicates yeah. better on that level. Um, I was on a plane not long ago, and I just happened to be sitting next to his, his administrative assistant. And who do you go to for information? <laughs> All my life. And I got her number. And uh, she was just like, Matt Rule's going to change this whole thing. He is doing what Saban does to a degree, and that is recruiting on character as much as physical talent. But the, the, the difference is uh, Nebraska's getting two-star and three-star guys, not, not four and five. I don't think it's long before they start getting four and five. Uh, and as we roll the break, this question, and it's very significant, kind of money does Nebraska have? I mean, what, what is it? Is it Warren Buffett that has all the money there? No, and it, they, but he's not. They, they they just built. It was I think it was a billion dollars. I believe it was one billion that uh, they just spent on a new football facility. Nicest in the country. Who's well, the I, billionaire that has all the it, money? It's Buffett. Yeah, but and, he doesn't give any money to the athletic program. No. Oh. But what the thing is, so Buffett runs Berkshire Hathaway, and Berkshire Hathaway has created literally thousands of millionaires in Nebraska. Right? Uh-huh. And those are the people who so are what, given the what money. What happened to you? <laughs> uh, you know, no, my, I, no, no, I was so, my dad at a very young age told me just buy one share of Berkshire Hathaway. Cause you know, Berkshire uh, Hathaway never splits. And so like, or buy a quarter share. And that didn't make sense to me. Not at that age. <laughs> 
Now, Why would I just want a quarter share of Berkshire Hathaway? You know, that's how uh, Ty Cobb became a millionaire. Coca-Cola. Did you know that? Uh, hey, we'll take some phone calls on the other side of the break at 205-342-9904 as you listen to the Friday edition of Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partially sunny this afternoon, just a few isolated showers through the evening hours. The high today, 89, tonight's low, 64. Tomorrow and Sunday, hot with a good supply of sunshine both days, only a small chance of a shower. Highs between 89 and 92. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports Friday afternoon, and isn't it gorgeous? It's also hot, going to get up at like 90. So let me urge you as a person that is suffering as a result of not doing it, when you go to these events and you're in the sun, and I don't care if, you know, you don't sunburn or whatever, go ahead, take the time, uh, put some of that banana boat, whatever it is, just spray yourself down. Um, because if you don't, you, it's not going to suffer you right. You're, you're not going to suffer the consequences right now, but you will later in life, as I am. I used to never wear caps when I played golf. I played a lot, and now I'm, I don't mean to get too graphic here. The top of my head looks like, um, a practice tee. Lots of divots, in other words. All right, something else that's, uh, that we haven't touched on yet. Um, we've talked about there being, uh, legislation in D.C. for NIL. I think that's its main focus. I don't know if the transfer portal is on their agenda, but it's mainly NIL, if not all. But story today on AL.com that says Nick Saban and Greg Sankey are going to D.C., and they will be a part of the lobby. And they say as soon as Wednesday, I think that's what I'm reading here, that uh, Nick and a few other representatives, including the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey, are going to go up there. And they're not going to present. I think what they're going to do is they're going to go, hey, we need help. You need to agree to put something in place and start working on it. And please don't be tartar, tardy. Start working on it in a hurry. Yeah, and hopefully that can spur action. But uh, I'm skeptical because normally, um, as we t- discussed yesterday, um, Congress is a reactive body, not a proactive body, and it usually takes something uh, basically catastrophic uh, for Congress to act. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I do think ultimately the solution is going to have to come from the federal level, but uh, they have been debating this in a committee in the House, in a committee in the Senate, for four years and not a single word <laughs> nothing has gotten out of either committee i mean you, you remember like the old cartoon like how a bill becomes a law yeah yeah they got one you used to watch in like yeah. fifth grade yeah. civics yeah 
Um, so <laughs> anyway, yeah, long it's way like, to go. Uh, Dave, I'm on some of those really crazy films we used to watch. Basically, what you watched when your teacher, you, know, you had a substitute, you just watched how a bill is passed. Yeah. So uh, that's. Should have Tim Brando up here in a second. Uh, we are efforting and we've been texting with Tim trying to get him off the golf course, uh, and on, on air. But, uh, hey, speak, speaking of, of kind of that area while, while we get Brando on, did you see that Sterling Sharp is quitting undisputed and he directly cites the reason <laughs> he makes no bones about it? It's a, it's all about Skip Bayless. And I've never liked that guy from the very beginning. <sighs> and Sterling Sharp grates on me, too. So I guess yeah. that's the end of that show. You know what? And I was watching, what's the first take show? You know, these shows end up being two people with differing opinions yelling at each other. Yeah. And what what is it? Mad Dog and uh, Stephen A. the other day? I yeah. couldn't understand anything they were saying. There was no communication there for the fan, the viewer. It's just two guys screaming at each other. And yeah. that was often the case. And Skip Bayless is so dang rude. How does I, he still have a job? I, I, I don't know. He's a complete fraud. Uh, I, I know Skip. Um, he, in uh, 2021, signed a four-year contract for... Thirty-two million dollars with Fox to do this show. He did eight million. Sorry, eight million a year. Eight million a year uh, for a guy who couldn't write to save his life. Uh, I know he had a. He was a columnist for a while uh, for the San Jose Mercury, and then I think for the Dallas Morning News. He also was the most irresponsible, or one of the most irresponsible reporters I've ever met. Uh, Troy Aikman sued him, and I believe it was successful. I'm not 100 percent sure. It's hard to hard to sue when you're a public figure, but Skip wrote that uh, uh, Troy was a homosexual, and uh, and he's not. And and um, and Troy sued him, and it just got ugly. Um, so, and then my first wife, actually before I met her, went on a date. With Skip, they went. They went, to, they went to a Rolling Stone show in Dallas, and he. Uh, well, part of that's she, good. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, and she just thought he was the weirdest dude ever. Like he, he uh, was completely like, I don't know, tapping, just off key, right? And, and I believe there's such a huge correlation between music and being a good writer. And I often say, like, you either hear the music or you don't. And the good ones, the great writers really can hear the music. And I don't think Skip ever could. All right. I think we have, we have uh, Mr. Mr. Tim's with us. Tim Brando joins us on Big Noon Sports after four and a half weeks of vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tim. How are you? What do you mean? Life is vacation for me this time of year. I what understand. Yeah. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Great. We're doing Can good. You, how how was your vacation? Wonderful. Saw some sharks. Like you've been watching uh your Facebook or uh, or Instagram and you've seen those now. I think my my uh, my daughter sent me something yesterday. It was a big sighting in uh Orange Beach. We we saw yeah. it last week. Thankfully it was towards the end of our stay because we we definitely got in the water. But we 
we saw I didn't see it. I was actually up at the pool um, when it actually happened the first time. But there was sort of a Jaws uh, moment, movie moment, Jaws moment uh, on the on the beachfront there at Orange Beach on Thursday of last week. Happened again on Friday too. Yeah, uh, I'm talking big ones. I'm talking ten to twelve feet, great white, not just not uh-huh. just your five to six foot hammerhead. I'm, I'm talking big ones. And um, a front had come in the night before, and I guess uh, they just followed that warm water in. And I don't know if it's mating season or what, but two sharks were going at it, and everyone could see it. And they were up and out of the waves, and you could see the length of them. You know, they were having at it. It was incredible. Wow. So they weren't just like uh, horseplay, shark play. No, it was, like an, Auburn, <laughs> it was like a, it was like an iron bowl shark. You know, one was Auburn, one was Alabama. It was. Uh... <laughs> so it was more like a fight, but the end result was not. So I, you know, I think we're, we're uh, yeah. skating on. Some... Well, let's just say there there was some dissatisfaction. Now, whether that was because of a bad foray <laughs> or just outright meanness over the rivalry, I don't know. Uh, well, we got this one off to a good start, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, hey, uh, I guess we can just run through a couple of the topics that are going on in college football. Um, yeah. And the SEC decided on eight. After a while, I changed my mind and decided they weren't going to go nine. It's not like I, you know, put bets on it or anything. But your, just your thoughts on the schedule. Uh, a massive fail on the part of the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference and the leadership of its member institutions. Uh, one of the great combinations of uh, provincialism and arrogance on display. Whoa. Uh, you got to remember now, those of us that follow college football closely, and uh, particularly a lot of my colleagues, and yours too, Lars, uh, mm-hmm. in the print media, that follow the sport closely, we were handed this out well over a year ago, that uh, prior to the arrival of Texas and Oklahoma, it was time to, with expansion taking place for 12 teams, it was time to go to nine games, and for very good reason, really, uh, because the, the committee, when picking teams 10, 11, and 12, will have uh, far more difficulty than they had uh, picking teams 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> and a ninth conference game uh, is going to be, I think, uh, tantamount uh, for teams, say, 3 and 4 or maybe even 5, uh, SEC teams if they want to get in when competing against other nine and three teams. You know, the fans haven't really, you know, I don't expect uh, fans within their schools and, and the Southeastern Conference to understand this, but, uh, and so they'll, they'll, they'll scream and they already have to me on Twitter. You know, I'm a Benedict Arnold, but the bottom line is um, it's, it's not a wise choice. Uh, and even if it is a one-off, which is the spin, that's what Feinbaum and, and the rest of the, apologists on the SEC network are saying that it'll only be for one year. I don't know. I mean, a lot can happen between this year and next in terms of trying to go to nine. And um, look, it, it's a it's a classic example of, of uh, when you're the big dog and the SEC is, uh, you look for them to be the leaders as they were during COVID. Greg Sankey became uh, a much stronger uh, leader uh, in terms of the narrative he created post-COVID. And this time, uh, he clearly is letting uh, uh, that that powerful look diminish, all to protect uh, the sanctity of those five and seven teams trying to get to six and six for bowl eligibility. 
and playing these weak sisters of the poor in November and continuing to do that. That is not a good look. Not a good look at all. Tim Brando from Fox Sports is with us on Big Noon Sports. And, Tim, we got you a little late in this segment. If we, uh, if it's okay, we're going to take a break, come back, and catch up with you a little bit more. You got it. You got it. Ah, he's very generous with his time on this show. We appreciate it. Tim Brando on the other side of the break as you continue to listen to Big Noon Sports. Big day in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. I can go from zero to 60 way too fast. <laughs> Who knew electric vehicle owners were having so much fun? 20 or 30 years ago, I owned a, a gas sports car, and this car is much quicker. It's a great, fun car to drive. When you put your foot on the accelerator, it just goes. They're fun, they're fast, they're efficient. Visit driveelectricalabama.com to learn how you can start having fun driving an electric vehicle. Sponsored by the Alabama Clean Fuels Coalition. The ABA and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination. The Alabama Securities Commission protects you from financial fraud. Anyone asking you for investment money must be licensed. You're careful with your money. Fraudsters aren't. Before you invest, call our hotline at 1-800-222-1253 to verify the licensing of the person making an offer and the product. Don't lose your hard-earned money. Learn to protect yourself at asc.alabama.gov. Paid for by the Investor Protection Trust and brought to you by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. From our home base. Right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Back on Big Noon Sports at Coulter Lars Anderson steps behind the he's behind the curtain he's pulling all the strings back there. All right, Tim. Uh, we're joined with Tim Brando, Fox Sports. Uh, Tim, I just want to hit a couple subjects from the uh, SEC meetings and. Uh, we touched on uh, keeping the schedule at eight games uh, as opposed to going to nine. What do you think of uh, eliminating the divisions? Why would you do that and stay at eight is what my – I mean, that's the other thing. We already knew. I think he just won't he, – he won't admit. This is my biggest problem with it, okay? He won't admit that he wants nine games, okay? He, he won't. Because he's he he's fearful of 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 looking. I mean, it's just it's just arrogance. That's all it is. He wants to appear to be the strongest individual in college football, and unfortunately, that position. I think uh, if he if he wants to believe that, I think it took a hit yesterday. I do. Uh, if he can't convince 
Mark Keenum at Mississippi State, who I think is a brilliant man and is probably one of the reasons why we're going to a 12-team playoff a year early. If he can't convince him that the right thing to do big picture is to go to nine games, then he's failed as a leader. He's failed as a leader. Because of what? Schools like Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and a few others that might finish at or around the Mendoza line for postseason at five and seven or six and six. These they're they're so concerned about that. Really? Um, we don't even know how much uh, importance those those bowl games are gonna have moving forward when we get to the twelve team. Okay, format, which is upon us. Uh saying that you're gonna have the best two teams Oh, my God, when you're only playing eight conference games, how are you going to know who the best two teams really are based on record? <laughs> how do you determine that if you don't have divisions? So, you know, it's just – and this notion that, well, we don't have to do it now and it's just a one-off and those are all uh, smoke screens. You know, this is about greed, Lars, total unequivocal greed. And it also points out, I think – the major mistake in television that was made uh, by by the commissioner. It was his choice, his choice, to negotiate uh, a new deal with ESPN in-house and not put the Southeastern Conference's college football rights up for bid. He made that choice, okay? A number of executives at a number of networks would have loved to have bid on the SEC, including the company I work for, they never got a chance. His point back in 2019 was, well, we we prefer having control of all of our games, and we believe from a scheduling standpoint, by dealing with the same people we've been dealing with since we instituted the SEC network, this is what we need to do. Well, uh, that deal for $300 million looked really good five years ago. It's been four and a half years since that deal was done, now the Big Ten strikes the deal for a lot more money for each member institution. And they're going to be on Fox, CBS, and NBC from dawn, almost dawn till, <laughs> till midnight. Okay, from noon till midnight, they will be on national television, all three Tiffany networks. Not the U, not on ESPN3, not on uh, SEC Network and, and ESPN and ABC. They're going to be on three Tiffany Networks, and they're going to be making about thirty to forty million per uh, team annually, more than the SEC. Tim. What what was this about? What was this about? This was about the president saying, "Well, if we're going to add OU and and uh, and Texas, and we're going to play an extra game, well, we want more money." Yeah. Hell, Lars. They, I mean, that's what this is about. Yeah, that's Play what I, I want. That's what I want to follow up. Why is, would is ESPN, this also? Why, is this, why would ESPN pay? Yeah, it, it, forty million more dollars for one more game for a deal that they've not even executed on the air yet. Okay, so ESPN due diligence here, due diligence on the commissioner's part was not handled uh, particularly well on the TV front, and he doesn't want to go down that road. He doesn't want to have to answer questions about that. And, and, you know, fortunately, ESPN is the 1,200-pound gorilla of our industry, and most of the media uh, is, 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 is working for them now. So he doesn't have to worry about that question coming. It's a little bit like Joe Biden uh, doing a, um, you know, a town hall with MSNBC. He doesn't have to worry about tough questions. So it's my understanding that ESPN said, hey, we're not giving you any additional revenue for a ninth game. So, uh, 
if they were if they were to offer a, a big chunk of money to do that ninth game, I would assume it would be difficult for the schools to turn that down. So, exactly. so Tim, I mean, exactly. how big a role did ESPN play in this? Well, <laughs> they played a role, certainly. But to use them as your excuse and, and blame them is... <laughs> Yeah. Is the pot falling the kettle? Yeah. Okay, that that deal was done in good conscience four and a half years ago, and ESPN had to sit on it while CBS maintained the three thirty window. They got it again this year. They don't actually execute this new deal until next season. Okay, and and now and now poor pitiful SEC presidents just have to have a little more money put in the pot. Are you kidding me? That you just made a bad business deal. You chose to make your contract four and a half years early, and the marketplace changed. And now you look around, and the Big Ten's making more money, and you're like, "Well, certainly those boys in Bristol have more money. Have they not looked around and seen all the uh, the cuts and and the yeah. purge of employees that are taking place as we speak? Both uh, last month, there'll be another one this month, and in July." I mean, it's just—it was a bad business deal, and and the commissioner of the SEC doesn't want to have to be called on that, and and that's why he's not, you know, he, he's he's taking this posture, and uh, a lot of people in the media won't go down that route with him uh, for obvious reasons. They 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 work for certain people too, and some of those certain people are suits. Uh, that are in Burbank, uh, California, and Bristol, Connecticut. Tim, do you think we'll be talking about this in a year, or will the addition of Texas and Oklahoma maybe even to the point of force or suggest that ESPN go ahead and pick up that ninth game? It could happen. It could. It's still a bad look now, though, and that's my point. That's not really the point here. Nor is it the point, well, the SEC's, dominated the national championship picture for the last hell I know that. You don't need to tell me that. I was I was <laughs> I was on national television during that period. I'm well aware of, of the strength of the conference and how big it is and how uh, this is not about how awesome the conference has been and its dominance of not just college football but all sports. We'll I give you that. That that's not the look. You tout yourself as the leader of intercollegiate athletics as a conference, your, your brand is it just means more. It just means more unless of course we're talking about the potential of half the teams losing one more game. And then it really doesn't mean more. We'd rather play Western Kentucky, uh, Kennesaw state and, uh, Furman as opposed to another conference game. And the funny thing is really fellas about this, uh, and I expect it, obviously, in social media because of the dweebs that are on Twitter. And I don't suspect that uh, 90% of your audience is on social media because I know they aren't. But the very people that are uh, defending the Southeastern Conference are the same ones pissed off the week Alabama is playing Western Carolina in November because of this horrible game taking place at <laughs> Bryant Denny Stadium. Do they not understand that uh, nine games means that you know those um, those uh, those checks that they're writing are for really a, a better product? 
you know, to come to those games every year. I mean, I, just to be that big of a and that big of a fog is uh, incredible to me. It's like the, uh, it's almost like the populist uh, in politics. You know, the Huey Long preaching to his congregation, uh, <laughs> and everybody's following along. He's taking you down the wrong path. You you want more for your money, for Christ's sake, and you're not getting it. You're not. Okay, get, get the AD from Middle Tennessee on the phone. He's going to get his uh, $750,000 check, his million-dollar check. And that way, by, by doing that, we don't have to play Florida this year in Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's a joke, an absolute joke. On June 6th, uh, a contingent from the SEC is going to go up to Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill, uh, including Sankey and uh, Nick Saban and many others. And they're going to meet with various members and beg and plead uh, for a uh, federal legislation bill that will make uh, NIL sort of universal. Uh, is this just a utter waste of time uh and, and i know sankey uh, from what i gather his plan b is to get the uh what the 12 state legislatures <laughs> that co- constitute uh all the sec teams to pass uh uniform legislation um to so that every every school will be playing by the same rules in every state and Matt and I were just laughing about that yesterday. I mean, trying to get everybody in line on that uh, just seems like the uh, the, the biggest pipe, pipe dream of all time. Yeah, it's a great photo op. That's what it is. It's a wonderful photo op. But nothing will come from it, fellas. <laughs> um, there'll be a few representatives uh, in Congress that get a nice picture with Coach Saban and Kirby Smart. But beyond that, nothing <laughs> will come from it. What, what is the ultimate resolution, do you think? I, my belief is that there will not be an ultimate resolution. No, I, I don't think there will be. Honestly, uh, trying to reach out to get professional help is something you got to do. I'm not saying that it's foolhardy to do it. Maybe it could be a first step. But large, the bottom line is until we see acts unlike the one we saw yesterday, until we see the leadership of all the conferences, come together and say, we have to fix this problem because no one else can. College football is still going to be mired in all of these issues, the same issues that all independent contractors have in certain sports. And um, it's sad, but it's true. Um, the SEC had a chance to show itself as a true leader yesterday. It failed miserably. Tim, it's always a blast. Enjoy the remaining hours of your vacation. Although I think next week you could just probably go on another one if you wanted to. But that's a good. I personally want to thank you and your effort to reinstitute the word dweebs into our modern day vocabulary. Instead of saying pickle-headed geek, yeah, yes, I like dweebs much better. Uh, yes, yeah, Tim. One word. Yeah, yeah that's easier. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. All right. Well, uh, it's too bad he doesn't just speak out. You know. I know. I wish he had an opinion. <laughs> and you know what? Usually, his opinion is against the mainstream. 
one of the reasons why we have sports but talk radio. You know what? It's hard to argue with what he just said hey. about uh, the schedule, Commissioner Sankey, ESPN, uh, and the, the the deal that ESPN signed back in 2020. That does a 10 year deal, by the way, that doesn't kick in until 2024. So they're essentially locked into it for 14 years. And the market has changed so dramatically that the Big Ten is just poised to absolutely crush the SEC in terms of television revenue. Something that I would never have dreamt of. You're listening to Big Ten Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food. Pastor Garcia joined their winning team Monday through Saturday. Lunch and dinner options. The great entrees like the tacos, the fajitas, the chimichangas, the great desserts, appetizers. Pastor Garcia and Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food joined their winning team by seeing Pastor Garcia at Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partially sunny this afternoon, just a few isolated showers through the evening hours. The high today, 89, tonight's low 64. Tomorrow and Sunday, hot with a good supply of sunshine both days, only a small chance of a shower. Highs between 89 and 92. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big Man Sports, Matt Mars, Jeff's the man behind the controls here, and we've uh, got a pretty short segment here as we get ready for uh, Alabama baseball, Alabama softball. I uh, thought I might just ask you a few questions, Seth. Do you, do you mind finishing up the show with me? Because uh, while you've done an excellent job, uh, I, don't, I don't, where are you from? Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia is uh, born and raised, came down here back in 2018, just finally graduated this uh, past semester. Okay. What do you want to do? Well, I mean this to a degree. Yeah. Uh, sports media, sports writing. Sports run. Radio. Run now. Run while you can. <laughs> no, I would, Lars and I will both attest that uh, I wouldn't trade what I've done all my life for <laughs> Never worked a day in my life. No. Uh, when every day you get except up, you look other, forward to what you do. the other day when I got yelled yeah. at. Uh, I told Matt about it. Inside thing. Uh, no, then we do have our bad days. It's not like a bed of roses everywhere we go. But, so, um, Did you ever go to uh, the track, the NASCAR track at Richmond, Richmond International? Yeah. That, that, to me, two dozen times. Yeah, okay. It's so great. you know it well. It's, it's crazy because it's just, it's in a neighborhood. It's like you would never know it's uh, there, and then boom. Yeah, the infrastructure is not exactly set up to handle the race. <laughs> no, it's Isn't not. Isn't Andy like that, though? No. To a certain degree, I, I thought mean, they used to have a little bit. A little bit, but, yeah. but I mean, this is literally right next to Sarah and Bob's house. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in a pretty residential area for sure. Uh, and, you know, with the amount of people, and the, they do a good job. They've got, you know, big lots and all that. Yeah. But when it comes to leaving, this, leaving the racetrack mainly, yeah. you're, you're in for a good, I mean, I live maybe 15 minutes away from the racetrack. It takes every bit of two hours to get home. 
Uh. Oh, does that make you a NASCAR guy? You've been to Tuscaloosa? I mean, Tuscaloosa. You've been to uh, Talladega? I have been to Talladega. I've been once to Talladega, and I got to say, as much as I love Richmond, Talladega is just a beast. <laughs> yeah. Talladega's a great race and incredible speeds, but it's a people-watching place because it's just absolute madness, but in a good way. With all the things I've seen, violence is not one of them. And now, Richmond, beads and water balloons and yeah. Richmond, barbecue restaurants. Uh, the infield's too small, really, to have much of a party scene. Because what is it? A is it a one? Right, it's three is quarter. It? Oh, so three, yeah, it's a three quarter mile three quarter track. Mile, yeah, the infield, uh, they're they don't really have uh, the big tailgating in the infield. They do have tailgating, that is for sure. But it all takes place outside the stadium. Yeah, there's a, there's a few little events. I've gotten to hang out pre-race in the infield, and I've gotten to hang out actually. Uh, on pit lane in a box for a race before. Um, cool. So that, yeah, Richmond, Richmond's great. Um, but like y'all said, Talladega is a different beast, and that applies to the race too. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm much more a fan of watching super speedway races. Yeah. Did you, uh, ever make the, the trip over to Martinsville? I have not. It's, you know, it's not the biggest drive in the world, but my dad and I had talked for years about going to Martinsville, going to Bristol. He actually made it to Dover one time. But, uh, no, never been to Martinsville. I swear, uh, some of the prettiest parts of the country are in Virginia in the fall. God, it is just gorgeous. Yeah. The Blue Ridge Mountains, yeah. All through there. And really out of the, I mean, just all the mountains in general. The Blue Ridge are kind of the one that has the famous name. But, um, yeah, southwest Virginia in the fall. My mom lives up in Williamsburg. Have you gone to Colonial Old nice Williamsburg? Beautiful. Absolutely. I've been I've been to a couple of William and Mary football camps back in the day. I got to stay in the dorms at William and Mary. I didn't oh. I didn't know this, but William and Mary was the first college in the United States. Uh, I think I've actually heard that. Try to yeah, Harvard is the only other one that kinda lays claim like Harvard was charted. Of course Harvard William does. Mary. William and oh. Mary was the first one to actually be holding classes. Um, does Richmond and, and have? A, it's a, a, they have a lot of the same structure today as they did when it was actually built. Wow, it's really some cool. old building. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, man. No, that's just sixteen hundreds. I mean, you walk around, the buildings look like they're from that century. Yeah. So, does Richmond or do you have like an NFL team? Do you, do you go with like the, the right. Ravens? Uh, no. I, there's a lot of DC sports fans in yeah. Richmond for sure, but when I was around five or six, actually, I latched onto the New Orleans Saints. I've been a Saints fan Who dat? my whole life. Who that? Absolutely. <laughs> Have you ever been stuck in traffic on I-95 going up to DC? <laughs> Yeah, I've been. Oh time. my gosh! It's one, it's, one the, it's one of the busiest stretches of I ninety five in the hell country. Hell on the Beltline, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think everybody who's gone anywhere from Miami to New York on ninety five has suffered through. I live about two, right off ninety five, and my exit, basically the Atlee exit, is about where traffic starts to form a lot of the times because it shifts from three lanes down to two. Oh, and that's oh, County, what? Virginia, man. If you get on I ninety five North on the wrong day, you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for all you do, Seb. We got to yeah, get out of here. Yeah, thank you very much, Seb. Look You've forward to uh, long, long, uh, long relationship here. This has been Big Noon Sports. Have a great weekend. Thank you.